Oh, hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What's up? Not much. What's so, up with you? Just drinking my coffee. Got my little, this light is absolutely going to die. This little kicker light. <laughs> uh, just because that's my luck with any lights that are battery operated. Uh, okay, let's roll right into it. You you were you were debating with somebody the merits of RAW versus JPEG? What's um, kind of. I was just, you know, I was on Reddit, which I guess is a, my first problem, but um, <laughs> somebody well, posted. Before we get into it then, uh, I'm of the belief that Reddit is nowhere near as popular as, as a lot of other social networks and that really? there's a lot of headroom for Reddit to grow in terms of popularity. I think Reddit oh, is... Yeah. I think Reddit is going to be a big problem at some point. Uh, I think so too. I think it's the one that that totally sucks me in. Like I just can't stop scrolling and reading on Reddit. And it's like not because it's complete garbage and trash. It's legitimately interesting stuff that surfaces there. It's insane how good that I model know. of user upvoted content is. It's so good. It's it's kind of an amazing place because you can find anyone and anything at all. Um, and, and now there is, a, you know, there ends up being very singular voices that come out um, of each particular, you know, channel that you're on or whatever, um, you know, whichever subreddit you're on ha- tends to have a certain voice. It's still just, I still, I still feel like it's a very fantastic way of like, of finding out certain types of information that you could just never find out, like yeah. in any other capacity. I love to I'm ask actually- Reddit. Um, yeah, subreddit ask, where people yeah, just AMAs. ask questions or like no stupid questions is a good one. Yeah. Um, Too afraid and, to ask. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. There's so many, but am I'm I the, sh- am I the asshole is my current favorite. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. I'm actually, so there are two, two surprising things about Reddit. One, um, I'm surprised it didn't get more popular faster because it seems like something text-based would have caught on before anything photo, like still image based, like Instagram or anything, um, video based like YouTube. Like I'm, I'm surprised because text is lower bandwidth. You don't have to wait. And it's, you can literally, uh, read it anywhere. You don't have to have headphones or audio enabled. Uh, I mean, I guess the same for photos, but I'm just really surprised. I think Reddit originally, uh, they've improved a lot in the past couple of years, but I think people were just plain confused about how it worked and how to find stuff and how to like navigate Reddit when it was a primarily desktop site. Now that yeah. they've got a really great mobile app, it's, it makes a lot more sense to more people, but I see that only improving over time. Did you notice they like rolled out a feature so you can see how many people are actively in the discussion? There's like a little yes. live monitor now. I don't know what that means. It's kind of cool to, to see like, oh, there's a thousand other people reading the same thing I am. But, you know, they're actively making improvements to the experience. And I think that reminds me back public scene. Reminds me back in the day of uh, Post Secret. And you'll still sort of see this. Uh, I don't know if any if, if people are not familiar with Post Secret, but it's a place. Yeah, you remind can... me. I don't I don't know what that is. Well, Post Secret is Post Secret is is back from sort of the earlier days of the internet where Basically, this guy would just like post people's secrets that they would send them on postcards. On a postcard, right? I heard um, about that. Ooh. And um, it's still going today. Um, and uh, but back in the day, there was this counter on the bottom of the site, very old school, like little like rotor counter that was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, twenty two like two hundred thousand people have like visited Post Secret ever. And then if you refresh the page, it would show you. 2000 
or 200,005 people, you know, have visited this and you realize you're looking at the same secrets that five other people, you know, four other people are looking at uh, at the same time. And people would constantly comment on that and say, I feel this solidarity with the people that um, I'm reading these secrets with ended up becoming kind of a, a little community. So it kind of reminds me that there's, um, there's, yeah, there's a feature now where on Reddit, you can see who's like how many people are responding right now too, which is kind of cool. Mm. Like so, seven people yeah, are writing. They're, they're making a lot of improvements, but I'll say one big thing they haven't yet uh, solved is co- reposted content. It oh is, yeah. There's like a lot every of few it. months when you see the same crap reposted, they need some sort of machine learning. Like, yeah, maybe it's a screen recording of something that's been posted before, or maybe it's the exact same photo or, or video, but they need some way of realizing, oh, this is actually like refer back to two years ago when this was originally yeah. posted by a different user, something like that. Um, it's shocking to me how often things get upvoted again on like a viral level. It's like, yeah. this has already been circling back. You were talking with somebody on a photography subreddit or was it wedding photography specifically? It was wedding photography. Um, there's okay. just this guy who basically said, you know, here's the reason we shoot on two cards. And he was basically saw saying that, that thread. Can you catch me up? I didn't read it, but uh, um, yeah. Oh, just, it was just basically, um, he accidentally shot, uh, on JPEG, um, for one of his cards and, uh, let's see, is that what it was? If um, I recall, he was shooting with an R6 and after yeah. a quick scan, I realized, so this is user error. This has nothing to do with right. uh, the, the fact that the R is a single camera body or right. I don't know. Yeah. So Something, I think what happened is like he, 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 what happened? Okay. What happened is his, one of his cards went went down i guess and then his backup was on large jpeg ah uh, okay and he's shooting an r6 so then he's shooting r6 he and so i okay. i commented and i was like i don't like why cameras don't have like a lock raw fic- functions beyond me because totally like yeah i mean i think for you know if you're an amateur photographer or you're starting to get into it you know shoot jpeg all you want like fine JPEG but, also, if you get that white balance correct in the camera, I love how JPEG files edit. I really oh, sure. do. They're sure. awesome. That's the whole yeah. point of the JPEG finalizer is to get your raw file exported and then re-imported into your catalog as a JPEG. And then you do another layer of editing on top of it because JPEG files respond beautifully. As mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you have to have had right. the white balance like totally nailed. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so my, my, and my point is that like, I have never in my entire career had any reason to shoot anything but raw. Like ne- ne- never. Like I don't know. I like maybe maybe on like a super super high intensity shoot where they like need JPEGs to be going from your camera to the web like in real time or something like that. But that may have only I, ever happened I a think, few times. I think there still exists a bit of um. This was certainly strong when we started the sentiment mm-hmm. that you should shoot to get it as close to the end result in your camera as possible. That's what makes you a great photographer. And some of that I think continues to carry over to this day of like, uh, well, you know, raw, it's going to take a lot more work. Why not just get it right in camera and it's way more efficient. And there's, you know, that's, there's an argument to be made. And the way that both you and I shoot is in a way is, is, in such a way that we're trying to get certain either effects or, you know, emotionality or whatever, right in the shot um, before you go to editing. But there's no reason to like 
limit yourself, absolutely get your, you know, white balance, like, like set your white balance before every like location or like, you know, or like make sure to absolutely get your exposure perfectly correct. Um, no, bra files are, are absolutely capable of, you know, it's like, uh, people that would anything. still be inclined to buy and try. Remember the, uh, we were like, Oh, that's what I need a gray card. So I can take a picture in the environment that I'm in of a gray yeah. card. So I can just perfectly dial in my way. It's like, no, that's not what you need. No, it's no. not that. It's not <laughs> going to speed anything up or make life any easier, really. No. And could you imagine if we actually tried to use that in all the different environments you shoot in? Not to mention yeah. one single room can have totally different oh, intensities yeah. of different colors of light sources. Like, Yeah, pointed at a different yeah. wall and everything's all to it Totally crap. lost. Makes sense if you're in a really controlled studio environment and that's it. Sure. But what was Yeah, the and in that case, there's no reason not to get it right in camera. The, the thread um, was purely just, Hey, just a reminder, uh, don't shoot in JPEG on your secondary card slot. I don't understand. Yeah. And, and again, like there was now there was back in the day, an argument to be made for an argument to be made that, which I thought I always thought was still kind of dumb. You shot raw for your main card and then you shot like small JPEG to your, your, your backup card so that you could have a running backup of multiple weddings on your card at all times, just in case anything went wrong. Yeah. It's like another layer of backup. And, you know, that's, that's fine. But I just feel like if you're having a second card and it was, and it was also due to like space limitations of like, there was only like a 16 or 64 gigabyte card or something like that. And so it made sense because you were constantly having to like switch out cards that you wanted one card that had everything on it, but there's no reason to do that anymore because you can have you know, 256 gigabyte cards or even 128 gigs and they're cheap and totally good enough for a full wedding. Anyway, I was basically pointing that out and so some person was, was just not quite getting it, I guess. They're just, you know, kind yeah. of kept saying like, no, you should really, you should shoot JPEGs because raw can, can corrupt. And he sent me to this six, this article six or this Reddit post six years ago. That was like, this guy came back from a wedding. He uploaded all his photos, went to sleep, went out the next day, shot, uh, didn't look at the photos beforehand, wrote over the card and came <sighs> back to realize no. that all of his raw files looked corrupted and crazy from that wedding. So he was wow. completely freaking out. He posted on Reddit and one guy pointed him to a JPEG extractor where you can take the JPEG preview out of the raw file um, via some kind of back door through that all, I guess apparently all raw files, I didn't know this, but apparently all raw files generate a, um, you know, a small JPEG preview that huh. you can extract. And he was able to do that yes. and he saved right, him, right. you know, he saved his ass or whatever. That's but what, a lot of people. Um, so that's what, uh, if you're in Lightroom or photo mechanic, but Lightroom, exact same thing as photo mechanic. Now, uh, if you choose the embedded and sidecar option, that's what it's doing. It's pulling the embedded, gotcha, JPEG, embedded. which is already rendered, which is why it doesn't take any time. Gotcha. Uh, that makes sense. That. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that there was also potentially other reasons why, you know, or other solutions to, to that person's problem. If you have a whole set of corrupted raw files, it's possible that it might just be the 
you know, the Adobe reader that you're looking at, looking at it in could have been the card reader itself. And so if you import it with a different card reader, you might get a different result. All kinds of things could be, um, you know, the issue beyond just corrupted files, yeah. which, um, you know, may, may or may not have been the issue, but I, I just found it. I just found it interesting and, and kind of a, a good reminder that I really feel strongly that professional cameras, R6, R5 and all, and, and any professional Nikon, Sony and whatever else cameras should really have a lock yes. uh, image quality, whether it's lock JPEG or lock raw. Um, it's, it's things like that that makes me believe they just do not have any working professionals like actively now working. Maybe they have professionals that used to be professional or something, but like these camera makers just don't have anybody now. Like that's a shooting constantly. In the process, like the, the the early phase part of the process. It seems, you know, I, they must though. It seems that they must. Yeah, of course, everybody working the there is probably basic, a camera. Yeah, but you'd think like that would be one of the most basic things ever. And, you know, it goes to, I mean, thankfully, I think Nikon eventually got rid of the raw button or the qual yeah, qual, sorry, the qual, qual button, button yeah which is, a ridiculous thing to dedicate as a button <laughs> to begin with why they're like come on press it There's literally you want to press it right i could imagine being uh worth having a button dedicated for but it's crazy um but i will say certain certain camera manufacturers are iterating in in pleasant better ways uh the leica m Crap. What are they calling it now? M11, M11 I guess. Yeah. The M11 uh, that I've been playing with, they have really streamlined the process of wireless connectivity to your phone in a beautiful way. And they met the standard. I don't know what the exact criteria are, but um, it's M5 certified, which means they meet some sort of threshold of Apple standards for how things should work, um, which maybe has something to do with why it's such a great experience to, um, to just... The, the, once you've set up the initial pairing between your phone and the camera, it will so far reliably every single time repair within like 10 seconds of when you enable Wi-Fi on the camera and then you open the app on your phone. And it's very, very fast. And uh, yeah, it's just a great experience. And this is transferring raw files, you know, up to 60 megapixels, uh, which takes a little long. That's like a 15 second transfer per image. But if you do medium raw or small raw, which both look great, and I'm shooting the Leica at medium, I forgot the exact megapixels at that rate. I think it's like 30, 35. Um, it takes like less than 10 seconds per image. I'm th maybe like five to transfer over. And the, the experience of populating wow. like the low res JPEGs first, if you want to selectively transfer what you want. And then it, boom, do you want to open this in Lightroom? Do you want to open it now? Or do you want to wait until you open Lightroom again to see these in Lightroom uh, mobile? It's right there, the exact way I, I want it to be. Still not very suitable for super high volume stuff, but it's it's a really seamless experience. I'm glad to see they've they've been iterating on because I think they launched that with their SL uh, bodies or maybe their Q bodies uh, years ago, and it's only okay. gotten better. So you know, uh, I can't say the same. Sadly, as as much as something like Canon's image dot Canon service is trying to seem like they're creating a cloud transfer solution it's so it just janky. sucks and it sucks it's janky yeah it's Why still it got so a very janky? like windows late 90s windows <laughs> yeah it's like come on. it's very old school jeez yeah you know and it's still it goes to show that i think both canon and nikon really they were probably rushed into it seeing how how fast sony 
once Sony got their lenses um, in line for their mirrorless bodies, uh, things really started to rocket for Sony. And I think Canon and Nikon, as much time as they had, they had about 10 years to get their mirrorless crap lined up and ready to go. I still think they were rushed into launching a little bit faster than they wanted. And that's important oh, sure because they, it, yeah. it could have sure. been the perfect time to redo their entire menu experience and all the whatever OS is driving their cameras. Uh, a mirrorless launch would have been perfect for that. Like, is oh, there... yeah, it's totally mirrorless and it's a completely rewritten OS future proof for the next 10 or 15 years. Like now there's just going to be, be awesome. they're, they're, they've got to be capped in some way uh, with, because it's the same system. Yeah. The right. processor is faster and there's rearranged things, but it's the same. They, you know, they probably didn't want to, they probably didn't want to scare off That's pro true. working professional photographers being like, all right, I've got this brand new camera. Oh my God, the menu system is completely crazy. And um, they could have kept the menu system visually the same, but yeah, recoded so. it in something more modern. I'm pretty sure that did not happen. I am impressed, however, with Canon's release of uh, firmware updates um, yeah. to the R6. There's been like six of them, uh, I think, wow. right? Or five? I anyway, no it's idea. been a few. And um, it's very, I don't know, it's promising that they can say like, okay, let's just release a, a new firmware update um, for anything that they could want. And I think going for like the future is like, you know, whatever we can add going forward, we, we will in theory. Yeah. In theory, they, they did a lot with the R5 in particular, uh, juicing up its video. And can I just say, by the way, oh. the R3 raw video capture is so amazing. Really? Uh, I, I, I haven't used an R5 in a while, so I'm not sure if they firmware updated it to support or if it always did. And I'm not remembering the, they have, um, 4k raw capture okay. and then they have 4k C raw and it's basically a compressed raw, uh, that is very manageable file size with the benefit of being able to adjust white balance and all the settings, um, just like you would as a still raw image and it's lovely it's so great i've been capturing really long form 40 45 minute single shot videos in raw and editing them and part of this is also having the the m whatever the m pro max oh god apple's naming scheme but the new laptop with the better oh yeah uh, apple m silicon m1 uh, pro m1 pro max. max i don't think it's m1 anymore because that was the m original it's yeah. Impro Max or something. Part of it is also that the computers are very well suited to to, to handle really uh, high bandwidth footage. Um, but yeah, the R3 has just been a dream for raw video. And that's something I've always felt uh, held back by, like having to shoot and log to get really flat, basically right. like JPEG files and then edit from there. I always just hated that because I'm just so used to approaching everything from the raw source. And uh, as a what's the difference between raw and log? Is it just log would be, um, so imagine if you shot, if you had to shoot JPEG on your camera mm -hmm. and you wanted it to be, uh, tuned and as flat as possible so that you could manipulate the JPEG in terms of not having blown highlights. And so as flat contrast, as flat everything, but tuned to a specific standard. So log would be basically consistently flat in a way that you could pop a LUT that was designed based on that, uh, a baseline of flatness, which would be mm -hmm. like C log, Canon log or whatever. Yeah. C log. Yeah. yeah um, 
And so it kind of just gives you a, a base starting point to edit from with a really uncooked, as uncooked a file as you could possibly get. Versus sure. if you shot without log and you had in-camera processing on, it's adding some contrast, it's boosting yeah. and taking saturation. Like it's it's taking so, away a lot of the way you, you can push and pull the files in post. So, But what about just, raw? So raw is actually capturing more data that you're not seeing. So it's capturing uh, more of the color information. It's capturing, you know, I don't know if it, how it, exactly it's stacked in each file or each frame, but because I don't know exactly how it looks from a technical aspect, but okay. raw is essentially giving you uh, not only a huge amount of layers and dynamic range, but also that color shift that I don't know that C log really gives you um, as much okay. either. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the big difference. So I, I don't think log or any of the in-camera processing and profiles apply at all. If you're shooting in raw, because it hmm. is the, the raw base footage. I shot a, a video for a client last, a few months ago that I had to shoot in log. It was my first time shooting like a, a, you know, baseline type video and everything. And it, it, it ended up working out really well. Um, but um, I, I had to literally like spend the entire night before, like figuring out like what the hell log is and like how to set it up. So, that, so that very flat, very yeah, gray. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's that's just really like that's what's baseline being baked into the, the footage so that you then have a lot more, flexibility, uh, pushing and pulling that essentially it's not a JPEG, but think of it that way as a photographer, right. uh, pulling a JPEG from there versus cooking it in camera, uh, with, so then that's the other thing you can apply log to what's being written, uh, to the original file, but have a view assist so that it doesn't yes. look as the viewer as what you're monitoring. It doesn't look so crappy and like soul sucking is a really flat. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, yeah. I ended up putting it up, putting the view assist on because I was just like, Oh God, I, I this is going to be horrible. But then when I saw the final edited footage, which was sent off to the UK to like do whatever with, I, you know, once I saw the final video, I was like, Oh, that looks so good. Like I was really yeah. impressed by the, the color correction and everything that the editors were able to do. There's a lot more that you can do when you're shooting in raw. And, uh, wow. I guess, there's probably, I've done a few videos of um, uncompressed raw, but mm -hmm. it like, I don't know how many, uh, how much larger the files are, but they're substantial. I don't, I don't know. Oh yeah. Measure, but I mean, even log files were like humongo spinning it around in my head, trying to figure out how fast you can fill up a 256 gigabyte card with raw video footage. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it does give me when I'm in C raw, the, I don't have my R3 near me, but anyway, uh, short answer is, uh, I've only recently done a few videos using the R3 and I've had it for months now. So it's just fresh on my mind is, uh, Oh, this actually works the way I wanted the R5 to work when I originally cool. bought it and it doesn't seem to overheat. <laughs> so well, awesome. Oh, go, going along with that. Uh, do you notice that, uh, Canon's releasing an R5C? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's out yeah. or at least so in some reviews. Smart move. Yeah. yeah. They need to be, Very cool. they need to start sucking up all those videographers again, because that was Canon's edge oh, yeah. for a long time with their Mark II when that came out with video. And, uh, so Sony really eroded that lead a lot. A lot of videographers prefer Sony and, uh, Canon's got to whip it into shape, which I, yeah. Think yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. exactly I how think, this, the C, so. uh, is different from the R5, but 
It's ba- all it is is basically. I think it's literally the R5, but with ju- a giant heatsink on the back, which yeah. is probably what it should have launched with. Uh, yeah, because that it's thing huge. Sucked about overheating, but it's like a ahead. it's like an inch almost of like extra back, and it will. It basically promises unlimited, you know, other than your video card, whatever, unlimited 8K capture. Period. Gotcha. Which is like yeah. pretty a pretty awesome you know, statement to put on a yeah. press release or whatever. I, I still, I mean, AK is fine, but I still don't really see like, how much are you really ever going to have to zoom? Like the 4k. You old most- bogeys are, are, are disparaging 8k. Like it's uh you know, some, some far off distant thing. Everything's going to be 8k in the future. 16k, 64k. Yeah. Take what you can. You're right. I guess. Uh, we have some comments from our uh, video Ooh. from last episode, 90, let's, last let's month on our, on our uh, YouTube video. Did you say 90? Episode 90 was our previous Oh, one, episode yeah. 90. I was like, 90 Not comments? 90. <laughs> We're famous. All right. What did, what did I say? <laughs> we got uh, spot on with the Matrix. The first Matrix, uh, Matrix looked awesome. It had a cool vibe. I think what Matrix 4 is trying to get across is that everything in the future sucks. <laughs> I, like I, I, I honestly right. think that there is like something to be said for that. Um, yeah. Yeah. that You were right, actually. You, you kind of alluded to that in a weird way. They're like uh, trying to make it look bad. Yeah. Because the... Like, how do you reboot something that is already perfect? Like, I don't know. Leica really stokes some passionate. We have two different comments that are one, two, three, like six paragraphs long each. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm not really going to, I don't know that I can summarize it. It's kind of all over the place. This is my first and only Leica purchased in January, wedding season. I'm like one of the only wedding photographers. So here's the thing. Okay, this person says, so yeah, manual focus is a pain, but walking down the aisle, it is more difficult to get. But you know, if you shoot at f5.6 and use zone focusing, you'll get the people in focus. And I don't, I don't like that way of thinking personally, because mm-hmm. having to stop down your aperture to to reliably know if something is sharp or not comes with the trade-off of getting a completely different look and character to your photo. Yeah. Like it's not like it, you're just magically sure. focused and the photo looks the same as if you were at F 1.4 or 1.8, uh, things render completely differently, not just with including the bokeh, colors, not just with the vignette, but the colors, the colors yeah. sing with the right lens at 1.2 or 1.4, like just, mm-hmm. there's no other way to put it. It's like, it's, that's what you bought it for and having to, to stop down so that you're manually focusing at 5.6, it just sucks. I hate that trade-off. Yes. It'll, it'll render people sharp, but why bother then? Like just use something with autofocus that you don't have to worry about missing. Another person I think was a little bit, uh, they were confused as to why I said, a 60 megapixel sensor would be more problematic with uh, Leica lenses. Oh, okay. And I wasn't, they were saying uh, the Leica lenses have amazingly or so amazingly over-engineered that they will resolve perfectly sharp at 60 megapixels. And I'm not talking about the resolution sharpness of the lens. I'm talking about the fact that if you physically using your own human eye and fingers miss focus, it's going to be way more obvious when you zoom in on the shot. Yeah. Because you now have 60 megapixels to zoom in and see, did I hit the eyelash or did I hit the the front of the nose? If you only right. have 10 megapixels to look at, you're only going to zoom in so much that you're probably not going to notice. But at 60 megapixels, the fact that you're off, not the sharpness of the lens, but the accuracy of your focus is off is going to be way more pronounced than if you're shooting with a 20 megapixel, 30 megapixel sure. uh, sensor. That makes sense. So um, yeah, I just want to clarify that. 
but yeah, these, uh, these guys really got into a little, like a discussion back and forth, but yeah. I mean, I, again, like I, I also feel kind of like a lot of Leica shots that I see are not wide open. Um, mm-hmm. I think the general average, like, like a shooter is, you know, shooting a lot of, you know, um, you know, at the hip shooting or, or shooting, um, uh, candids or street photography. And a lot of that does, I hesitate to say one, two or one eight or whatever is unnecessary. You're going wide open is unnecessary because I prefer to shoot street stuff at one, like wide open too, just cause I, I enjoy the challenge, you know, Leica makes it much more practical given the manual nature and the profile of the camera and everything. Yeah. I feel like it makes it much more, um, you know, much easier to just go ahead and shoot at whatever f-stop you want. Low, like, stop it down, stop it down to f16 if you want, um, and you'll you'll get these like fantastic, you know, types of images. Um, yeah. The 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 sensor being whatever it is, I think is is really less the issue, and the even the lenses themselves being like less of the issue, and more just like the way that the camera shoots, you know lends itself i think to uh you know higher f-stops and and certain types of photography for sure so you want to shoot you know coming down the aisle at five six you can it's just i i i personally also agree that your colors are going to look different whether or not you prefer that or not is up to you but I, i i love the sort of like big openness of 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 colors at you know at open apertures Agreed. hundred percent. I think that a lot of photographers fail to realize how I'm getting some interference. I don't know if you can hear it, but every I time I hear touch anything. my interference, yeah, getting interference, it's not being tracked. Every time I touch the cable, it, uh, it stops. Yeah. It must be mm. some sort of signal. Okay. Uh, what I was gonna say, I don't think a lot of photographers appreciate that, uh, adjusting your aperture more than almost any other aspect, uh, like shutter or ISO is, is what makes, uh, your consistency of editing totally crazy. Uh, because I can, when I have a second shooter, for example, that does often like adjust their aperture to five, six, four, 2.8, even, um, I notice it and I have to like dive in and spend a little bit more time on all their images to get them consistent in terms of color and exposure and every, just the whole vibe consistently shooting wide open. Most of the time really makes editing 10 times faster is my belief. Yeah. Uh, but if you're constantly tinkering with your aperture, it's a, it's a big giant pain in the butt. And yep. I think, yeah, a lot of photographers spend a lot more time than they realize, uh, adjusting for that. What it is, it, it also highly depends on the focal lengths that you like to average as to whether or not shooting wide open is practical. A lot of photographers shoot 85 and that is a problem at 1.4, 1.2, those really yep. wide apertures because the added, um, reach really makes the, what's in focus, uh, you know, so razor razor thin that it's a problem when you've got two people next to each other or what have you 50 millimeter, or I would say anything wider than maybe like 58 or 60 is where the world opens up a lot more in terms of shooting wide open and still having, you know, a couple people in the shot acceptably fine in terms of uh, being, I still miss my 58 one, one, four G I know that's a great lens. Yeah, it's a great, great lens. I, I still actually have it. It but... was such a featherweight too. It's like that. Oh was my dream. god, dude! It was just 
the perfect lens. I have been warming up a lot to shooting the 51.8, the Canon RF, because yeah. it is so lightweight on the R3, and the R3 is such a beast. Um, mm-hmm. With that 51.8, it's it's sort of a dream. It, That's I mean, cool. It is so nice and and. and I know, nimble. but that that one that one four bokeh on the with the 58 like focal length is just it was just butter (laughs) pure butter they did a good job what else is going on hanging out at the fell's point apartment here just getting some work done nice view um the uh, the desk up there but i think it's a better angle oh no i like it and plus you got these um you know butterflies going on uh back here too so that's cool pretty cool um i yeah I, i recently came up with like a new schedule just because um when you have a kid, it turns out that you don't have free time anymore. And I think we mentioned this on the podcast that free time becomes baby. A few, a few times, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm starting now, twelve, almost 12 months in, to understand how to get work done. And the way to do that is by not being in the vicinity of <laughs> potential crying. Um, Makes sense or potential, you know, something to do. And, um, it's interesting. It kind of makes you ruthlessly efficient with your time because you have to. (laughs) So I'm working on that. I can see the case being made that a lot of people after they have kids, I think it's my little home pod that's creating this interface. It's really annoying. I I think I could see the case of a lot of people being more productive. Yeah. Do you hear it? No, I don't hear it. Oh, man, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's like back when we used to record. Remember when uh, you would do recording and every phone was on edge? And edge had a horrible uh, amount of interference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was constant and unstoppable. It, that's what it sounds like in my head right now. I think the case could be made that a lot of people become more productive after having a kid. After adjusting, maybe, maybe it's not more productive, I'm hoping. maybe it's just same amount of productivity, but more efficiently executed. Maybe that's the, the trick, but I'll take it either way. I just, I, you know, I, I would love to be more productive and I would love to be better about my time. And as a, you should check out, uh, sufferer if, you know, Baltimore's got some good co-working spaces. I wonder if there's any, uh, there, we were supposed to get a, we work, uh, on the yeah. Harbor there, but they bailed on that because we work kind of collapsed as a company that's right i'm I'm curious it it was i think it was there for a while actually i think it was actually built out to some degree yeah yeah it's crazy to Um, think about investing so much money that a place is essentially built out and then just never really uh or you know it's it's folds within a year i've never understood that about a lot of businesses like all these businesses that get these huge amount of loans hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're around for like three years and they're like well Guess we're not making money. And we're folding. They, they collapse. Like restaurants are like that. It's like how many people exist in the world that this is able to occur over and over and over? It's weird to me. That's why I don't run a brick and mortar shop. It seems the overhead is way too much. <laughs> it would be fun though. Like I, w- I would love to have because so my wife's uh, parents had a gallery, like a an art gallery in DC for thirty five, 36 years, um, back in the day. And the stories that she had of like growing up in the, you know, in the gallery and like crawling around, like, you know, and, and like hiding under tables and like meeting all the artists that would come in and like, it sounded pretty, pretty uh, idyllic. And, um, I think I've always, I've always kind of been enamored by the idea of like having, 
you know, my own photography studio, even though, even if I didn't like actually shoot much in there, I thought it would be kind of cool. Uh, but, but it's nice to have a dedicated space. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that it's, if it's not making you any, not giving you any edge in any way other than like a productivity boost from having a place to go, then it's a real hard expense to justify for sure. Yeah. I yeah, mean, for sure. you're basically talking one or two engagement sessions a month just for, to pay for that place. And it's right. like, you, that's 24 extra sessions a month, like, or a year. And yeah. I no, I think that's, it's not justifiable. No, personally, I don't think, yeah. Unless you're like really cool. good at in-person sales. I'm fascinated to know how anybody whose business was like really leveraged IPS did mm-hmm. the past two years without having, I mean, I guess you just do the same shtick over zoom or something. Yeah. To, to yeah. I'm sure sales, it's, but I'm doing all, you know, client meetings via video now, but I sort of was before the pandemic too. So yeah, I'm glad pivot. it's finally like a hundred percent accepted as, Oh, we're not going to meet for coffee. That's yeah. Why, no, why would we do that? Like we're going to meet over I, zoom. It would be cool. You know, sure. Yeah. I'll, Meet with you if, if you want, but it's like, if they but then I have to leave. Book. Yeah. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and now I have a kid. I'm like, I'm not spending one minute away, like, you know, yeah. uh, outside of my like schedule that if I don't have to. Uh, I will say it's unfortunate for some of the, uh, I think, February weddings that I had that rescheduled. Mm-hmm. One canceled, one rescheduled. I feel like they probably could have pulled it off. I, I think the gone. Omicron yeah. crashed. So it, it, I mean, you could have never known that. No three, four weeks ago, but man, it really did come back down as quickly as it spiked. I mean, yeah. Baltimore County just lifted their mask mandate. Nobody's yep. required to wear masks if they don't want to. It's crazy. It's like, it's, yeah, it was it's like wild. two months, a month and a half of turmoil. And uh, now we're back. It's crazy. I just, I just still, I know I talked to you about this on the phone the other day, but I just think it's still so funny that we're like, all right, the surge is over. Everybody take off your mask. Like, <laughs> Like, like, just like, put your blindfolds on and just like, start running. That's, that's, that's what I'm, I'm envisioning. Like, no, it's not like that. They're monitoring all kinds of things, including sustained levels of like negative, uh, growth or whatever of hospital it's, cases and stuff. So it's just it's, funny to me. If, if we see another surge, just cause everybody's like, all right, I don't have to wear my mask anymore. Sweet. Then I'm going to, I'm just going to be the one standing there being like, sounds about I think, right. I think every year we're going to see something right around January, yeah. just like this. Uh, yeah. Guess, you're probably like last right. year, just like this year. Yeah. It's just going to be a thing. Any shoots coming up? Yeah. I've got a shoot later this week. Um, but other than that, it's mainly just editing. I'm trying to get a bunch of blogs done, including a end of year post. I still haven't done. So, Oh, um, got to get that out. Man. Yeah. Got to like, get it out. So this is that's, the that's time. mainly what I'm working on this week. I'm working on, um, so I've got like five giant albums here. I'll show you real quick since we have video now. Ooh, cool. Let's see here. Okay. I've got like five of these. What is that? Huge, huge, uh, albums of my work. Okay. That's a mural in Baltimore. And, uh, so this is essentially one book per end of year review post. Oh, okay. Yeah. Each image gets its own page oh, or its cool. own spread. 
And it's, so it ends up being about 150 images. And uh, so I've got five of these giant, massive, heavy books and I stopped making them. I just fell behind and then kept falling behind and stopped making them in 2017. So I've got five of these I want to sit down and order. They're about eight really... or more. Very expensive, but uh, yes. I, one giant, beautiful book for every year that I shoot. And so I should be right around 10 or 11 of these now. And I've, I've That's funny. I, I only started doing that in 2018. 16 and then i only i only did it two years and then i stopped and i was like and they were so cool like i going back through everything you know even there was a, a few you know there's plenty of images in there i think 2017 was when i like i photographed obama and, and governor newsom and like a bunch of other stuff and it was like it was so cool to like throw that all in there in the end too just just as like a okay let me just visit have a physical reminder of all of the of like my successes this year. And like, it was very, very helpful for not just my kind of having like a fun reminder, but also just kind of like for your psyche and just to know you're in going in the a forward direction. Uh, totally. It's really nice to have a physical book. I, I I would recommend everybody do do that every year, Agreed. even though I haven't been following that my own advice for the last couple I mean, of years. How amazing is that going to be for, uh, like your kid or kids or mm -hmm. whatever down the line and like your nieces and nephews and, you know, you're going to be some old, some old dude one day and they're going to be like, what are all these big, huge books? And be like, wow, these photos are awesome. Those are grandpa's are, photos. Yes. Those are grandpa's photos. <laughs> That's going to be so cool. It's going to be so you know, cool. Those review posts, those blog posts, whatever, they will be lost to the internet yep. uh, someday. Like they just... You know, Facebook and Apple and all these, they're kind of good about surfacing memories of things that happened, but it's kind of one-off things. It's not very comprehensive. It's like a, here's your year. And it's right. also not, obviously these tech companies, and they're not smart enough to know, like, show me all my good wedding photos from the year versus like all your other photos from memories that you had. And yeah, this is just a great way to have a record of your, your work for sure. Yeah, no it way. is. Uh, I, and I mean, everybody has photos of family and photos, you know, in their house. But I also kind of am reminded of my, of Abby's grandfather who passed away a number of years ago. Uh, he was a airplane mechanic in World War II. But on the side, he, he was a not professional photographer, but he was a damn good photographer. And he would, sh he would shoot photos of all kinds of stuff, mainly his family. But there's all these photos littered around uh, Abby's old house of like, and they're all like really, really good photos of, of like the family and like Abby's mom playing the piano when she was like five and, and all these things. And, and every now and then she'll be like, Oh yeah, Papa took that photo. Or Papa took that photo. Papa took that photo. And it's amazing to see, to have this like legacy, um, physical reminder around yeah. your house. Um, and I think not just for your future, um, you know, kids or grandkids or whatever, a future family to see, but for yourself to see is very important to have your own photos somewhere uh, that you can be like walking by and like see it on the wall. Um, yeah. Or... I mean, honestly, even not, not looking at them, like just seeing these giant, big, substantial books. It's like, I have my own encyclopedia Britannica, mm -hmm. you know, right in my shelf. <laughs> like you awesome. look big up yourself, just... you know, like you did that. Like, yeah. You know, I think, I think a lot of us could use that kind of self-care. <laughs> totally. It's unfortunate that they're so expensive though. They really are like 800 bucks or something crazy. Good Lord. 
yeah, I get the studio discount too. 10 by 10 yeah. leather. I'm, I'm doing some linen ones now. It's so awesome. Oh, you're doing 10 by 10. So I was doing 12 by 12 linen ones and they weren't, they weren't super expensive. Um, okay. Nice. But I'm doing bucks. like the super thick pages. Like, yeah. Yeah. So you do, yeah, do what you got to do. Whatever, whatever makes sense to you do it. You know, if it's just like a little paper thing, then go for it. But if you want like a nice, just like on the, on the bookshelf next to all your, your, you know, photo heroes or whatever. It's like all of yeah. your photos too. I think it's really cool. Agreed. Yeah. I've always loved, I have the, uh, the Apple book, the portfolio kind of book that I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure it was mostly just Johnny Ives tenure at Apple. Uh, oh, right. Of things that he did. I think it doesn't say that specific explicitly, but it's, it's, Feels like these are all of Johnny Ives' favorite products. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, they have very thin pages, uh, not like super thin, but like you know, they're they're definitely uh, not super thick. And it, but it feels and it's a really high quality book. The actual cover is very heavy and and thick. And the book itself cool. is huge. It's like a coffee table book, but mm-hmm. the pages are, are quite thin. And I was impressed with how nice they still feel as an experience. And obviously the color and quality of the prints are amazing yeah but it's like a 400 hundred dollar book <laughs> good lord so, yeah yeah hopefully it'll be worth something someday i think they yeah. only had a limited run they stopped making them oh really oh yeah. okay yeah i don't know well all right well i gotta go okay well talk to you later <laughs> <laughs> so, so anticlimactic <laughs> it's over <laughs>